Welcome, welcome, welcome to the eighth edition of Where They At. My name is Nabate Isles, and it is my honor and pleasure. I want to get right to it. Uh, this man is, is one of the great athletes of the 20th century, one of the greatest boxers in the history of the sweet science, and he is a two-time heavyweight champion. And he won the heavyweight championship in 1994, after losing it in 1974. So 20 years later, he won the heavyweight title as the oldest heavyweight champion at 45 years old. And this man has not just been exemplary inside the ring, but outside the ring as well. He is a minister. He has, um, he's an entrepreneur. He's been able to, to put smiles on people's faces and uplift his community. It is my pleasure and honor to have Boxing Hall of Famer, Mr. George Foreman, on where they at. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Yeah. Where, wherever they are, I'm where they at. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> oh, yes, sir. And, and it's always good to, to, to get the audience knowing on where, where you're at and what you're doing. Uh. And, and uh, we're going to talk about that for sure. I wanted to know, it's interesting, in 1968, you were an Olympic gold medalist in Mexico City. And that was a very powerful Olympic Games, you know, of course, with John Carlos and Tommy Smith uh, raising the fists, black power. Um, but also, too, you uh, were in the middle of the ring with the U.S. flag taking a bow for all four sides of the ring. So uh, now talk about the significance of that Olympics and how powerful that was overall in you winning it as well as you uh, stating a message? Yeah, the most important thing, nobody, no one expected me to really win. I didn't have a lot of experience. I uh, went to the Olympic Village. Uh, I had less than 20 fights. My 25th boxing match was actually my gold medal match. So hmm. nobody expected much of me. Uh, so I wouldn't. I was not involved in anything other than athletics, if you know what I mean. Yes. Some of the guys who are in track and field, they they had experience winning this meet, winning that meet. They had record time to represent. So a lot of people spoke to them in the, during that time of controversy, but not with me at all. So I had a wonderful time just being a boxer. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, the U.S. amateur scene, especially with the heavyweight division right now, is much different, completely different. The talent isn't there in the heavyweight division from the U.S. Why is that, sir? Well, boxing for a while, uh, that was a time when everyone set to watch the Olympics. They watched the track and field, the guys running, running, running. And then they all looked forward it, uh, to the boxers. Everybody knew what that was the heavyweight champ of the world was the most popular athlete in the world. So the idea of amateurs competing, but as the years have gone by, other sports have moved in. Basketball, they even have pros training basketball, uh, and then the swimmers. Don't talk about how great the swimmers have turned out. So that has left boxing almost alone. And we're trying to actually, if you believe it or not, get boxing back to the foremost, and that's not easy. Talking to uh, the great George Foreman, Boxing Hall of Famer, one of the greatest boxers in the history of the sweet science. And, uh, Mr. Foreman, it's interesting, speaking of being alone, 
That's what boxing is about. You're alone in that ring and you're responsible for everything you do, the preparation, the mental fortitude, uh, the the conditioning, everything. That's that's pretty much why many people aren't interested in it, you think? Yeah, you know, and you talk about lonely. You uh, you have all these guys running with you. Man, we're going to run this mile today. We're going to run uh, sprints tomorrow. We are going to uh, spar. We're going to do all these things, these trainers and managers. But then when the bell rings, you look around, there, there's no we. It's you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's the most lonely place in the world, that three minutes while you are fighting your uh, opponent. It's lonely out there. and uh, But it's the grandfather of every sport there is. It wouldn't. What it all starts and ends with one man against the other man, boxing. That's why uh, when the uh, the greatest event that'll ever take place in sports will always be a boxing match. Nothing will be able to touch it. No other sport. It will always be a boxing match, as we saw with Mayweather, uh, Pacquiao, mm-hmm. Muhammad Ali, and Joe Frazier. And Muhammad Ali, George yeah. Foreman, George Foreman too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's not talk about that one. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, you know, all uh, Joe Lewis and Max Melling. The greatest sport of this will always be, and the most expensive one as far as collecting purses will always be a boxing match. That's where it is, man against man. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and 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 speaking of uh, the boxing match and your approach to boxing, you had two wonderful careers. I mean, it was like kind of like the first half of of uh, say like the first movement and the second movement. You know, your career uh, really uh, you had so many so much accomplishment in both sides. Now, what was the difference in your ring approach from your pre-retirement, pre-first retirement, and post-first retirement. What was the difference in your approach to uh, fighting and to training and to preparation of a, of any type of prize fight? My first trainer, Doc Brothers, told me, look, George, if you concentrate on fighting in the streets, you can win an Olympic gold medal. I didn't even know what an Olympic gold medal was. And he talked to me about stick and move. He got me ready. Uh, to make certain I had the proper clothes to travel, to meet up with the uh, AAU team. He, I did it all for him. And once I won the gold medal, I was so proud. Uh, I was a, a celebrity all of a sudden, signing autographs. Then turning professional, Dick Sattler, my first boxing manager, professional, do this, George, do that. If you do this, you can be champ. I became champ of the world. All these things happened at the instruction and motivation of other people. Now, the second time around, I'm a grown man, 45 entering the ring to fight for the championship of the world. And, and for year, those few years, it was all about what I wanted to do, what I had to do. And that's the biggest change is doing something you want to do and doing it and making and motivating yourself. That was That made it even better for me because no one was there to wake me up in the morning. I had to get up. No one was able to set how many miles. I had to set the miles. Far. When I got hurt, there was no one to complain to. I had to go in and pat myself on the back and 
give my own self a, a pep talk. <laughs> that was mm. the, the difference in all of the, the latter part was the most rewarding, if you ask me, because I had to do it all myself. Wow, that's deep. That that's wow. That's amazing how, how and also too the wisdom, the wisdom and also being you know being a minister and 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 finding your faith, that had a lot to do with with your motivation and and your clarity in mind, right? You know that's strange, you guys. I didn't know anything about religion, and didn't have any intention to ever be uh, doing anything as far as God and all that. That didn't mean anything to me. But and then after I did come back later on, forty-five years old, I wonder how in the world did a young fella attempt to be a boxer without some knowledge of religion, with some some without God? How could I ever done it? Because that's a scary thing, man. A day before a boxing match, it's like a day before death. <laughs> you mm. live and die. You know, you keep you you walking up those steps. And the other guy doesn't matter how tall he is; it looks like he's Ten feet tall, and you can feel his heart beating. You can see every muscle in his body. How in the world did I do that without some knowledge of God? Because my mom, the person I love and respect most, didn't even yes. want me to be a boxer. So I was, you know, I did some things I don't know how. But after I found religion, and I knew how to pray, it gave me this self confidence I never knew existed. I had confidence in myself, and then I was motivated. <laughs> run an extra mile. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and, and that was funny. You made your comeback at 38 years old, 1987. So you, and then you were able to finally win the heavyweight title. You, you had an opportunity against Evander Holyfield in 91, I believe, but then in That's 94, right. in 94 though, you finally did it. That's perseverance right there. <laughs> yeah. I fought Evander Holyfield and I was just, uh, I wasn't, uh, I was too uh, young. <laughs> at 41, <laughs> I was about 41 years old. I said, I was too young. I had to come back. And at 45, I had to put it all together. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. The the, the, the whole um, strategic and mental approach, absolutely. That's right. And you, yes. and you come back. You know, I did come back 38 years old. I was a man. I had children. So I had to mm-hmm. learn how to behave myself. Beforehand, I could stare guys in the eyes and try to spike them out do all of the things that, but then when you start raising children, you have to answer for everything you say and do. And mm-hmm. I was never going to do anything on television that I w- wouldn't be able to tell my kids, okay, you got to do this, that, and the other. I had to be a living example for my children. So that the wisdom of raising kids, that's what gave me more wisdom. No, everything I'd have to answer for, everything i say, if they looked in the camera and saw me mean and brooding, or cussing someone on the sideline. When you start raising children, you got to make a lot of sacrifices. And the best one is to be on your best behavior. And uh, my condolences um, as well uh, for for the um, transition of, uh, of uh, Frida. Uh, my condolences. I just want yeah. to let you know. Five daughters and five sons. And it's strange. I lost Frida. And it's like she's next door. I forgot to call her last night or something. They, your children never leave you. You never leave them. Mm. <laughs> you know, so you could actually be sad if you actually thought they weren't there. So sometimes I get ready to pick up the phone to call her. I said, oh, oh, I forgot about that. Someone else probably have that number now. <laughs> but you mm. miss your children 
Uh, but I had a great life with Frida. She lived to be over 40 years old. And let me tell you, she was a fighter, too, a tough cookie. That's right. That's right. Uh, she wanted to be a boxer. I said, oh, no, 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 no. Then I thought about it. If someone wanted to be a boxer, the last thing you can do is tell them no. Because what, what are you going to do, beat them up? They'll beat you up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, in their in their mind, in their mind. <laughs> in their yeah. Mind. <laughs> so I had to do, and uh, so it was a journey because I actually took part in her training. It was a wonderful time in my life with all wow. your children. So, absolutely, yes, sir. And and I wanted to ask you: you were part of the most prolific time in the heavyweight division, the '70s, with yourself, Joe Frazier, who you dominated in two fights. Ken Norton, who you dominated. Uh, also, uh, there was Ernie Shavers. There was Muhammad Ali, of course. I mean, just amazing plethora of talent. And then in the 90s, you had yourself, Evander Holyfield, Mike Tyson, Riddick Bowe, et cetera, et cetera. Which era was more prolific to you, the 70s or the 90s? Because you were in the, the top, you were in the zenith of both eras. Boy, I, the, what most important to me was just a wonderful time in my life. The first time I was so afraid, when you look across and smoking Joe Frazier, he was a beast. I remember him coming into the ring. I'm waiting on him. The challenge is always the first in the ring, and you have to wait for the champion. Mm-hmm. And I was sit, I was sit there and thought, I was standing there thinking, I hope it rains. Something is, I'm in Jamaica. I hope a storm comes and blows the ring down so we can call it off for a while. <laughs> I was nervous. You don't want to go in the ring when here comes that thing coming down. The, you can see him coming down, bobbing his, weaving his head. You don't want yep. to do this. That was a scary time in my life. I beat Joe Frazier. Then I beat a couple other, these muscular Kenny Nordens. And I thought, boy, I can beat everybody. Then mm-hmm. I get in the ring with uh, with Muhammad Ali. For the first time, I hit him, hit him, hit him good. And someone there telling me, is that all you got, George? Now, <laughs> I don't want to live through that ever again, especially when you hit a guy with all you got and that's all you had and he tells you about it. What a frightening time of my life. That was a great time. Of course, Evander Holyfield was the most fast uh, heavyweight I'd gotten into the ring with. He, he, while you waiting to hit him, he's hit you five or six times, maybe ten times while you waiting to get in one shot. He was fast mm. and athletic. Uh, Michael Moore, splendid. But That's that right, time, Michael Moore. Mm-hmm. That time with Joe Frazier, that frightening time with Joe Frazier, and that monstrous, surprising time with Muhammad Ali, nothing has ever come close to that in a boxing ring. That's deep. Wow. And, and, and wow. And speaking of the heavyweight division, the era right now, we have a major fight coming up soon in Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. The first fight was, I mean, scintillating and wow. Like, Fury had moments when he dominated uh, from the standpoint of the bo- boxing in the middle of the ring and, 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 and kind of outsmarting Deontay a little bit, but Deontay was able to nail him twice to knock him down, once in the ninth, once in the twelfth. Now, the, they've seen each other. They know each other now. Which fighter can make the biggest adjustment to capitalize more in the rematch since it was a draw? Which fighter can tilt the scale and win in this uh, rematch? Let me tell you, if that fight had not been for that final knockdown, uh, Tyson Fury would have pulled that decision out. Mm-hmm. That knockdown, and I didn't, I'm shocked he got up. 
because he was caught. Boom! I said, oh my goodness, that's the end. No, Ooh, and the up. left hook, and the left hook, yeah. the follow-up left hook after the and right that, hand. And that was the most graceful thing I've seen. He, he was good with the right hand, but came back with that hook. I said all night, come back with the hook. <laughs> he did it. <laughs> but now all you have to do is go back to your film, watch your film, and repeat everything you did in the first fight, and you got a decision. You can win a decision. If you just don't try to fight the guy, and run into those right hands, I think that uh, Tyson Fury should pull it off on point. But, lo and behold, I'll tell you, Deontay Wilder, he, he is, that right hand never stopped. I've never seen anyone so intent to get you with a right hand. And mm. it's going to be hard to escape that. He's got to be one of the hardest heavy punches, heavyweights that ever been. I mean, I put him in the, in the class of Mike Tyson. He's like that. Mm -hmm. Not a Joe Lewis. I'm not going to rate him like that, but Mike Tyson and Deontay Wilder are in the same class. I mean, vicious punchers. I'm not even on the scheme. I don't even put myself in there with those Tigers. No, 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 no. Mr. Foreman, you are up there big time. Most of the times I used to look, hit those guys, and then I look down and I say, how did he get down to the ground down there? Why is he on the floor? I was as surprised as they were. But this this Deontay Wilder is a pure puncher, man. He's a punching machine. Yes. Wow. And it was so funny. It was interesting. Remember, Mr. Foreman, at the end of the 12th round, Fury was backing Wilder up. You notice that? Like, like Fury turned the tide after he got up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this is an amazing fighter. Both of them. I mean, they're, Mm -hmm. they're champions. They're both champions. In, in their own rights. I mean, they're both champions. And I'd like to see the fight. I'm curious to see if Tyson Fury can go back and go back, set the thing, and uh, go, box 12 rounds and win a decision. Or will he decide to stick his neck out again and that boy going to cream him? Ooh, that Tyson Fury, I mean, that uh, uh, Deontay Wilder with that right hand, and it's so long, you think you're out of the way, and you're right there. Ooh, no, that's true. And and speaking of another heavyweight that is getting a lot of recognition, Anthony Joshua, who won the gold medal in super heavyweight division. And he uh, he had a very, very solid victory over Andy Ruiz in the rematch in which he came back from, from the first matchup being knocked out by Ruiz in the sixth round. Now, obviously, the winner of Wilder Fury, a super fight will possibly be made with Joshua. How will how does Anthony Joshua's skill set measure against Fury and or Wilder? I think his skills uh, set is splendid. He's got all the skills in the world, but there may be something wrong with the top of his head uh, with those big mm. punches, especially uh, Deontay Wilder. I wouldn't give him much of a chance with Wilder at all. Not only mm. not because of his skills, but because Wilder hits so hard and. Uh, uh, Joshua is apt to catch one of those shots. I give him, mm. I, I'm going, but now uh, Tyson Fury, uh, I think he can outpoint all of the above. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And imagine that in Wembley Stadium in front of 100,000. <laughs> I'd I I, be the first one in the ticket line to make certain I, could, I wouldn't miss one of those. That's right. That would be the biggest fight outside of the United States in the history it of, would, of the it would Sweet be. Times. It would, it would be. Yes, and indeed. And this fight in the heavyweight division now, this is a throwback to the days of 
that has passed. I mean, everyone's going to be curious about this Wilder Fury fight coming up. It's oh. got us all curious. And yes. who's going to win? To be honest, I don't know. And a lot of people just don't know. <laughs> those who say <laughs> we know, we don't know. It's one of those fights that we don't know who's going to win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. It'll be a surprise if Fury knocks way. him out, right? And that's the best way. <laughs> yes, indeed. Wow. And uh, we're talking with George Foreman, Boxing Hall of Famer. And Mr. Foreman, I have a couple more questions for you. The current fighter that you enjoy watching the most, that current fighter that you look at like, oh, this kid can be an all-time great or this kid is already an all-time great. Like, in your opinion, which who's the fighter you enjoy watching the most? Canelo Alvarez. Mm-hmm. He's, he's one of the middleweights, but he gets better and better and better. He's a hard puncher. He's always had that, but he's gone back to the drawing board to get stronger. And he adds body punches to his repertoire. He's probably the most exciting boxer for me to watch. And as a kid in Nebraska, I'm always remember forgetting his name. Oh, T T Bud Terrence Crawford. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Omaha. Yep. Yeah. Oh my. <laughs> oh man. Give me some of that. Give me some of that. I mean, he mm-hmm. always finds a, he can find a way to win. I mean, he's probably the smartest one out there. Yes, and get and gifted offensively. Gifted. Imagine. Yeah. Like, he's he's yeah. smart. Very smart. And of course, Dallas Dallas Texas has one. He just got in this. Uh, horrible uh, oh, car Earl Spence. Yeah. Earl Spence. Yes, yes, but yes. When you, when you call those names, Canelo Alvarez is my favorite to watch. He's not the one I'm going to tell you I'm pulling for all the time, but if I'm going to turn on television and buy those things, I want to see uh, Canelo Alvarez. That's right. And and it's great that you said that because he's fought everybody. That's another yeah. thing, too. He's fought everyone. <laughs> And he's beating everybody. Let you know how good Mayweather was, huh? That's right. That's right. And he and, and Canelo. It's so <laughs> funny. Was, it's good to uh, see. Mayweather. <laughs> Mayweather is W A S. Was. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And once you, you and today, people ask me, said, "But George, you was." I said, "Look, man, if you're gonna say something about me, stop using all the word was." <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. And, Can- and Canelo said that he always watches the Mayweather fight more than any other fight because he learned so much in that fight, you know? Yeah, smart guy, smart. And uh, he does enough to win, and pro- and that's a hard thing to do enough to win in that weight division. I wanted to ask you, the one heavyweight that you go- would go in a time machine to fight, the one heavyweight, who would that be? To be honest with you, I only fought because I had to. It was a way to get wealthy. Uh, to get some fame, hmm. if I had another weight, believe me, I would have been a piano player or something like that. Oh, so it, okay. It, it's not like I had a taste for boxing. I never wanted to punch, but once you get in the ring and the bell ring, you have no choice. So it's not like I'd like to go back and fight anyone. I would have liked to sit at ringside to watch Joe Lewis box. I would have hmm. loved that. And just think, I was at ringside for Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier once. Ooh, right oh, in mm-hmm. That was the most exciting night in boxing for me ever. Woo, Miles Davis, Frank Sinatra, everyone was yeah. there, you know. Frankie Frank Sinatra was taking pictures. He was a photographer for Life magazine, and, I believe. He was the special you, and if I if I told you how it was, I wouldn't come close to letting you know. You had you would have had to be there. 
that's the most exciting night, period. Anything. And that includes Super Bowls, uh, uh, All-Stars, basketball. Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier won. It's like we were out of space for a, mi- a few minutes. It's like we were on another planet all by ourselves for a moment. Well, that's Nothing deep. like that. That is so deep. And, and, and now, um, we, we lost Kurt Douglas, um, the great actor. And I know you mentioned that in your, on your Twitter page. And uh, yeah. what was the, your favorite Kirk Douglas film? 103 years old. What a life. Uh, uh, champion, you know, because of the boxing. I love that movie. And this guy was so tough. I mean, for him not to be a genuinely tough man would be impossible. And Spartacus. I cry every time I watch oh, it. I feel like Stanley I'm Kubrick. I yes. didn't want him to die in Spartacus. Oh man, and the music. Oh, that, that my favorite is Spartacus. Yes, and you know that was only Stanley Kubrick, the great great filmmaker. That was his only like like his Hollywood production because he couldn't stand the status quo of Hollywood. So he's my favorite filmmaker ever, Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. Wow. Definitely. Wow. Yes, indeed. And before you go, sir, I wanted to ask you anything you have going on, any events, any uh, appearances, anything that you're doing. Um, please let the audience know. Um, for well, sure. this, this George Foreman's uh, real-time pain relief formula is okay. sold on Amazon. You can get it. I've found and been seeking something. I had old pains I thought I'd have to live with. You know, you start getting to be a certain age, you said, that's the way it is. But I put that uh, put that cream on, and it works. Real-time, George Foreman, real-time pain relief formula on Amazon. Everybody got to try it. I've had people who were skeptical, skeptical, and they skeptical, and they tried it, and it worked. It really works. I'm trying to promote that as best I can so everybody can have one chance, just one chance to try it. But I'm spending my time promoting now. And guess what? You use it. And the grandkids don't come in and, and say, he stinks. <laughs> the grandkids like it. <laughs> wow. You know, okay, you, that's good to know. Always people have something, they say, man, don't go over there with grandpa. You're going to smell like grandpa. Hey, they, the grandkids come in, and I don't smell like grandpa anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> And I want to say one thing before you go. Uh, this is a quote from somebody, a good friend of mine, that has so much respect for you. He's a fellow Boxing Hall of Famer. Anyone who can honestly look themselves in the eye the way he did after Zaire and then Jimmy Young and then walk away for 10 years, reconstruct himself mentally, personally, and physically, and arguably be better and more successful in some ways, then he was the first time is special. It was like watching a nuclear reactor and all that force and power be converted into a sort of cerebral chamber that can now produce a different energy, a cleaner and more efficient one. What he did and has done is one of the great success stories of our time, both times. I think for all he has accomplished and stands for as an example to many, that George Foreman is one of our American treasures. That was from fellow Boxing Hall of Famer Teddy Atlas, and he was the wow. trainer for Michael Moore, and, he, and wow. he wanted to give that message to you. Wow. Lovely time in my life with Teddy Atlas. Lovely time. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And, and Mr. Foreman, I want to thank you for the honor of interviewing you on Where They At and the 8th edition, and I, I thank you so much, sir, and I look forward to, to speaking with you and or seeing you again soon. 
Thank you. God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the eighth episode of Where They At. And I want to thank the great, the illustrious Mr. George Foreman for joining me uh, to talk boxing, talk about his intriguing and engaging career in life. And also, uh, I want to thank Mr. Teddy Atlas for the wonderful uh, written greeting and, and reflection on George Foreman. I want to also, of course, thank the host one of one productions uh and let me tell you this is this setting is just absolutely wonderful fela dennis and joy i i thank them so much for for having me here and an honor to record my podcast here and i will be back soon with another episode of where they at i can't believe that eight episodes have already been produced in the can and and out there so thank you all for your support and if you like the music it's from my album eclectic excursions you can check that out on on itunes spotify amazon google play title etc etc and also on my website n-a-b-a-t-e-i-s-l-e-s.com i'm the bate house thank you all for listening talk to you all soon bye-bye